Welcome to the Building Community Podcast, a show for thought leaders like you. You know that success depends on relationships between your organization and the people in and around it. This season will focus on insider insights, where experts will let you in on their best practices in a specific area of community building. Together, we shine the light on how community helps you reach your corporate goals. I'm your host, Timona Pacha, and I've been empowering organizations for a decade and a half doing exactly that. Ready for it? Listen in as we set out to make communities thrive. Everyone has heard that great organizations are built on the foundation of great people, that organizations are only as good as their teams are. And we know that people are the foundation of successful organizations, and even more so in recent years. So today I drill down on a few topics that will make a huge difference in how you think about community for your organization for your team and how you can put your people first. So they want to be part of your team. So they want to be part of your organization's success. Welcome to today's episode where we focus on team for life lessons learned. And team for life is the approach I value because I believe the best organizations will continue the relationship with their team members way beyond when the paycheck ends. So let's get started. There's this one phrase that somehow keeps popping up in my mind. I can't seem to shake it since I first heard it a few weeks ago. It's show me that you know me. Isn't that really what today's corporate environment is all about? What great leadership is rooted in, what networking is based upon, and what community building at its core is all about? Show me that you know me. The phrase is really about showing our team members that we care, showing our stakeholders that we worry and take into consideration what's important to them. And I think that's so important in any organization today. Why? Well, let's take those few examples I just got started on. First, we've got leadership. Second, we've got networking. And third, we've got community building. So for leadership, imagine a supervisor who knows what's really important to you, you as a person. Somebody who says, thank you for a job well done with an extra half day off, for example. So, you know, that you can spend that time with your family instead of being at work. Another leader who may not know you that well or who may not really care about your family values, they may just give you a gift card. But that one leader, you know, the one that knows you, they give you that stolen, unexpected moment back with your favorite people over a monetary reward that somebody else may choose for you. Would you want to leave such a leader? Hmm. Well, second, we got networking. So we all know by now that true networking is based on building authentic relationships. It's not about exchanging business cards or writing emails. It's about creating a bond, about giving first. Now, imagine a person in your network, maybe a person that you met a few months ago at an event. You just came in from the car, like all fluster and saying, to a colleague that was standing in the same group, oh my God, my son or daughter, you know, they just played the music super loud in the car when I dropped off. And have you ever heard of the Ben stick figure? They can't get it out of their head, you know? You had a good conversation then with that person and talked about work and what you love to do in your free time. And you were in touch over the next few months, every here and there. And then one day you get an email with a brief note and the person says, hey, I just recently thought of you and your son or daughter. We'd won a couple of tickets to a stick figure concert in a raffle, and we don't really have use for it. So surprise your son or daughter with them. Whether you take that person up on that offer or not, would you ever forget about their thoughtful gesture, not just towards you, but towards people that are important to you, that they actually showed that they know you and care about you and remembered something really important? 
And then third, we've got the community building part, right? So let's look at that level of community that we all know, our work community, the colleagues, the team members, the collaboration partners, also mentors and others that are around us every day. How do we know that we're valued? Well, from experience, I know this goes above what one leader can do for their team members alone. This is more about creating a culture where our team members feel they belong. When, you know, they get up and head to their computers or workstations, a place that they know puts them first. And that's why they want to give their very, very best to that place, to our organization. And community in our work is deeply connected to the corporate culture that we create for our teams, with our teams. And the word create, and I'm making air quotes here, the word create is key here. You need to have a strategy for developing a corporate culture that makes people feel that they belong. Not only the teams that you have with you now, the current team, but also those who may consider joining your organization in the future. So potential talent that you may want to bring in and also those who've left to pursue other things. Believe me, your organization will be better off if you can build a lasting bond with all of the people that have or had your organization's best interest in mind. All right. So these are the three main examples I wanted to touch on. Now, today I'm sharing some of the key takeaways from this season. If you haven't listened in yet, please do so. I had really amazing guests who shared super helpful nuggets in each episode. So subscribe now with less than 30 minutes each. These episodes are perfect for your next run, drive, or walk. First lesson, get to know people as people. I know that's the foundation of the show me that you know me quote and the value of truly focusing on those in your care that we just looked into. But let me expand a bit here because I think there is more to it. At the end of the day, nobody can tell you to put others first. Nobody can demand from you that you be more curious about your team members. Nobody can take over that job from you. It's about you really wanting to make a difference. And this starts with purposeful conversations. Asking your teams what they want to achieve in their careers as part of your team. It's about deep listening, getting to know them as people and enabling them to achieve what they set out to achieve. It's about establishing human connection, about building trust by following through on commitments. It's about instilling pride in your team members, by letting them take fully charge where they want to take charge themselves. It's also about being curious and finding out what motivates them, each and every one of them. And it's about energizing, about giving them strength when they don't have it themselves and setting them up for success so they can be their best selves. And this brings me to the second lesson. Create moments that matter. It's about the journey that gets employees to that milestone when they can experience the moment that matters, the moment that will have an impact on them, not just now, but for the long haul. Truthfully, it's all about the small touch points. And I know that because I've been at organizations for many, many years. So there are thousands of touch points your team members have with your organization every single year. Touch points that, you know, for example, could include the tech that you choose to work with. Are you making it easier or hard for them with the tools that you provide? Touch points could also include copy on your website or marketing materials. Are you really communicating the same values to the outside world that you actually live every day? Or do our lived values, you know, in the organization themselves look different than the ones that you share publicly? You know, this wannabe type of scenario. Touch points also could include trusting them when it comes to documenting work hours or distributing work opportunities and more. Do your team members actually feel they have control over how, when, and where they work? And touch points could also include events, 
services or perks that you offer to your teams. There is no one size fits all for this, but my key message to you really is your organization can curate moments for your employees, can curate those touch points. Don't leave those impressions up to chance because impressions stay with us forever. That's what we remember. When emotions get involved, this is what we remember later on, what we think back to. So purposely set out to create positive experiences for your teams. Design moments that actually lead to the experiences that matter to them, that lead to scenarios that they can remember, that end in stories that your team members will share way after, you know, you pay for their time, way after the paycheck ends. So for organizations, it's critical to figure out What are the critical milestones, the key milestones in your team member's employee journey? And then plan out the experience and find out how you want to fill the spaces in between for them, with them. That's where the real opportunities lie because not many organizations are focusing on this yet. And happy employees don't just produce better outputs and are more engaged, but they also spread joy about working for you. And that will give you an immense competitive advantage in today's labor market. Now on to how you could achieve this. I know that sounds like it's a lot of work and like you have to think about a ton of details and juggle a gazillion balls in the air at once. But the third lesson can actually help with this. Use technology tools to improve experiences because each and every one of us have too much in our plates. Too much to do, too much that gets pushed out, too many priorities that get changed. So we need more time. That means we want to be as efficient and as effective as possible with everything we do. And that includes community and that includes the relationship that we want to build with our teams. And I think technology can help us get there. There is a tech for being more precise when it comes to us personalizing experiences for our teams. And that's, for example, reminders for birthdays and life events. That's, for example, tailored onboarding and offboarding experiences. That's also institutional memory so that when a leader leaves, Their thoughts and ideas of how to best serve each team member can be passed on. Their experience can be shared. And then there's tech that helps us make sense of historical data, that informs us how we design future programs and services for our teams, that lets us track what works, what doesn't work, and what has changed. Because, and that's also something we know, our needs change and our team members' needs change over time. So should our approaches. And then we got tech that allows us to scale our efforts. As organizations grow, scale is often our enemy. With tailored tools out there, we can personalize experiences for hundreds and thousands of team members, and we can bring in new capabilities and options to best serve them. And that brings me to the next lesson. Lesson four, don't reinvent the wheel. And I've been talking about this one quite a bit. I'm a big believer in not starting out from scratch. And that's true for community building in our organizations as well. I've worked with many different organizations over the years, higher ed, government, nonprofit, industry players, startups. Every organization has programs and services that are tailored for their team members. Some are more elaborate, some less so. Think about maybe learning and development programs you have or annual giving programs or company gatherings or special perks that you offer for achieving milestones. When you first build a community strategy for your organization, you don't have to start from scratch. Don't start (laughs) at zero. The first and best approach is that you look at what's already there, already working, and then you repurpose those programs that are doing well. Those programs that bring the value to your team members that they actually want to see. 
Once you have a good overview of what's there, you can strategically arrange those programs as part of the portfolio for your employee community. And from there, from your foundation, you can expand slowly. You build out the portfolio. And sometimes it's simply about reframing something looking at things in a new light. And I know this sounds quite abstract, that the thought of starting community efforts can be scary. But let me say this. Community starts with the right intentions, the purpose you set, the priorities you define. Community needs to grow slowly, just like any relationship. We date first before we commit in our personal lives. So why can't we do the same in community? Don't worry about doing everything at once. Focus on a few small approaches perfect them, and then build out your community strategy around them. It's going to be easier and it's going to feel more natural once you have your team members on board. And that's the right time for you to then start perfecting and expanding. Always keep in mind, good things take time and good things shouldn't be limited to only a few. And that's the fifth and last lesson I want to share with you today. Community is for all. You know, community for organizations is sometimes this intangible thing. So when I work with clients who are thinking about community for the first time, I like to start with the value, the long-term value community can offer to them. We all know that building close relationships with our teams is a good thing. But if we look at it in sort of a bullet point list, if we define what that good thing, and air quotes here again, if we define what that good thing actually means for organizations, then it's often easier to keep going with community when there are doubters in the room, when funds are tight, or when there are roadblocks in our way. So let's see. Community helps organizations retain core team members. So it's about keeping those people that we have in our organizations right now, those people that keep the light on, it's about keeping them happy. Community also helps organizations attract new talent. So it's about having access to the top people out there in the labor market and offering them something of value that they wouldn't get out there with our competition. The better our talent, the better for our organization. Community helps reduce employee turnover. So this is about avoiding or reducing cost and effort for rehiring. And it makes it easier on our teams because they don't have to constantly rearrange their team dynamics. Community also helps organizations improve corporate culture and increase productivity. So this is about showing our team members that they are valued, that they're seen, that they count, that they can trust us and each other. And we all know that productivity increases if we feel like we belong. And then community helps organizations perfect their employee experience from the onboarding to the offboarding processes and everything in between. And that is so key here because you really want to build a lasting relationship with your team members, the current ones and the former ones. Because your organization needs both groups to succeed. And this is where I want to start talking about the alumni part of employee communities. And with that, I mean community, not only for team members that are active in our organization now, but also for those who were active in our organizations in the past, or for those who will move to another challenge in the future and leave us at some point. So let me touch on this part of community a little bit more. We're all familiar with alumni networks of universities. If we're enrolled as a student and we graduate, our roles change and we turn into alumni. The university has an invested interest in staying in touch with us so they can continue to provide us with services and programs that are helpful to us, but also so they can get something back from us in return. And oftentimes that's word of mouth or donations or other support. It's similar with organizations. While we as organizations don't want our team's money, we also have an invested interest in staying in touch with our team members when they leave. 
because of the knowledge that they have, the connections that they hold, the potential they have to give back to us as an organization throughout their entire life. So what corporate alumni networks are as part of our employee community essentially is an alumni network for our employees, for our team members, current and former. Imagine the traditional employee life cycle in our organization. First, we work hard to attract the right talent and then we recruit them, we onboard them, we develop them. We work really hard to retain them. And then, and this is the cycle of life, right? When they're ready to move on from our organization for whatever reason, poof, we lose them. And all the time, money and effort that we've invested into them, into building them up, into building a relationship, into the vision that we instill in them. All that is gone and gone. What corporate alumni networks are is a framework that allows organizations to continue that relationship from that very first touch point with a team member. That's when they decide that we're an organization they potentially want to work for to way, 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 way beyond when the last paycheck from us to them ends. Through those corporate alumni networks, we can strategically build a sustainable relationship with our teams. We invest a lot in them during the entire time that they're with us and they can give back so much to us after they leave. You know, their knowledge is valuable. So why not make that possible? There's a metric I want to bring up here for all of you. It's called employee lifetime value. It's almost like customer lifetime value in marketing and sales, just with a focus on our team members rather than on our customers. The employee lifetime value takes into consideration the net value that our team members generate for our organization while they're with us. And we set this number against the cost associated with employing that person over the years. And the longer that period of time is in which that person, that team member adds value to us, in which they give back to us and perhaps no longer receive a traditional salary from us, the better for our company. So let's think this through. Here's a concrete example. Let's say I was with my company for 10 years. During that time, they invested X dollars in me to hire me, to develop me, my salary, my benefits, the whole nine yards. And then I left because I wanted to live closer to family maybe. But I'm still in contact with the organization because I liked my team and I liked what the organization stands for. So, you know, I contribute to their causes. Maybe in my free time, I give online lectures for team members or their customers a few times a year. That's training and development I support with. Let's say I'm also a mentor for new team members because I enjoy sharing my knowledge. That's knowledge exchange that's included here. Let's say I come up with social activities in a community like, you know, collecting trash and helping at a soup kitchen. That's valuable contributions to the organization because they get my free labor to use for their CSR efforts, those corporate social responsibility activities that organizations today put a big focus on. Let's say I go to events and in general speak positively about the company whenever it comes up in conversation. So I'm a brand ambassador and I also help with employer branding so that others want to work where I was in the past. If the organization for example, reaches out to me because they're looking for someone who has expertise in a specific area. I'm happy to connect them because my network didn't disappear overnight. On the contrary, it's grown and I'm still willing to extend my network to them because of the relationship that we have, the good relationship that's still going on. I also buy products or consume their services and I tell others to do the same. So I help with business development. Let's say I see a bad rating on Google or a job site. I want to give real feedback. I go in there and I'll include a five-star rating if that's what my experience with the organization was. If, 
And that's key here. If that's what my experience with the organization was, and if I still have that good relationship with them, these word of mouth activities, they're so valuable. That's part of marketing for the organization's products or services. And also when new products, features, or services are tested, let's say I want to volunteer and give feedback. So I help with product development and give an outsider perspective with insider knowledge. That is truly valuable. Or if I see a role that needs to be filled and I know somebody close to me who would be a great fit, well, why wouldn't I recommend the person to the organization? Or I may even consider coming back myself as a boomerang if it's a good fit and if it's the right time. And then the organization can have me back with more skills, better experiences, and an increased network. Or I could help out as a consultant, you know, just here and there for certain projects where I could be most valuable. That's a lot of benefits, right? And that alumni part of our community, it's also a pre-vetted talent pool that organizations have right at their fingertips. That's so incredibly valuable today. Let me give you a number here. A survey that was done by Enterprise Alumni shows that nearly 80% of people would return to a former employer under the right conditions. And that is huge. That is good news. And the same survey shows us that boomerangs, that's the people who've worked for us, who've left and who are now coming back. So these boomerangs create 50% time savings in staffing and also 73% of reduction in the time that it takes for people, for new team members to become more productive. So the result is that we can save in budget, in time, and in effort. And that's really key for us. So with all that said, I know that every innovative organization today needs to have employee communities, needs to have alumni networks for their team members so that they can be successful, not only today, but tomorrow, five years and 10 years down the road. So jump on that bandwagon and don't ever stop putting your people first. This brings me to the end of the season two of the Building Community Podcast. Thanks for being on board and for joining along on this exciting ride. My message to you is go out there, put people first and make your connections thrive. See you next season. This was the second season of the Building Community Podcast. Thanks for joining us for the ride. Is there a leader in your organization or network who needs to hear this? Please share this podcast with them help get the word out about the immense value of community. Stay subscribed and tuned. We'll be back with season three soon. Until then, help your communities thrive.